welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. Together, we will be bringing you a weekly whiskey podcast where we'll be discovering drams, exploring distilleries, talking to industry experts and sharing other whiskey adventures. Not only will we be sticking our noses into our drams, but also into all things new and current in the whiskey universe, with a leading commentary, of course. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. Today we are chatting about whiskey aromas and memories that those bring to us. And we will have an expert guest as well, and we will be sampling a few more Isla whiskies. But first, let's talk about the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. So, Summer Hall Distillery, founded by Matt Gamel and Marcus Pickering in 2013, has now made its first move into whisky with the release of blended Scotch whisky called the Broody Hen. And this is a liquid made with casts from Highland distilleries, and that results in a sweet and smooth flavour profile with a palette of vanilla, caramel, and manuka honey. The whisky is blended and bottled on a site at the Edinburgh based distillery, which has also the ability to produce vodka, gin and rum. That's kind of, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't know if you tried the Pickering's gin. It's quite nice. Is they it? Do quite a few, yeah, they do a few different ones and they always do kind of special uh, limited edition bottles and different things. And I think they also supplying gin for BA, I think it's BA, one of the airlines. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. And the distiller is nice and they do lots of events there and I like it. Oh, nice. And the producer said that the launch of the whiskey marks the start of a period of significant growth for Summerhall Distillery after rebounding from the pandemic. And the distillery plans to release a range of whiskers <laughs> <laughs> of whiskies under the Broody Hen label, including a 10-year-old single malt at the end of 2022. I'm quite intrigued by this because I wonder if this is their first step because what well, is the first step into whiskey, but whether they will actually be distilling their own and maturing. Yeah. I wonder if they're just trying to be another independent bottler or whether this is just to buy time while they're making their own. Yeah, if they've got the Pickering's gin, you would imagine that they might want to go down the route of their own whiskey as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they would need probably new stills. The stills aren't that big. But yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, Maybe so we need to go and check them out when we yeah. go to Edinburgh next time. Yeah, watch this piece. Um, also, there was news about Aldi whiskies doing extremely well at the International Spirit, Spirit Challenge. <laughs> Spit it out. <laughs> we're super, super tongue-tied today. Good old Aldi. You're, you hear a lot about Aldi's drinks and products generally doing quite well. Yes, exactly. I, I really think we should do a whole episode on trying Aldi whiskies. Definitely. And such, you know, affordable price bracket, aren't they? Exactly. So these ones that were winning some awards, it was their Glen Manoch Island Single Malt and Glen Manoch Isla Single Malt that were awarded gold at the competition. And both of these are actually under £17 a bottle. So good, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, you, but you would, I think if you see a bottle of whiskey, like 70 centilitres, you would think this. It's going to be shite. <laughs> <laughs> it's too, too cheap to be good, right? Too cheap. And the psychological effect that has on you, you're like, what's, <laughs> what's wrong? 
Exactly. Yeah. But the the Highland whiskey was said to have a clean, well-defined style and refreshingly rich taste, while the Isla whiskey had a soft and creamy texture with balanced smoke and citrus. Mm, sounds good. Yeah, good for them. But I, I do feel like it's also a little bit dangerous to have spirits in such a low price. Don't you think? Like, do you think you know, people will be stocking up and swilling away on too many drams? Yeah, it's not. You know, you know how people go and buy like I don't can't think of any crappy alcohol that you buy, but you know, like some cheap bottles that they just down it just to drink it. So hopefully it will not come under that category. And, you know, <laughs> I think it is one of those things, like if you were doing a blind tasting, because we do have biases, don't we? And perceptions of how things will be, you know, according to the fancy marketing campaigns and the price point and stuff. Yeah. Our sense of smell is incredibly closely tied to the associated memories of certain smells. And about 95% of the taste comes from the smell, which is why you should be sniffing your whiskey with your mouth slightly open to prepare your palate. Definitely. And tasting notes can never be right or wrong as they are subjective to each person. And I guess it depends on, you know, how you've been brought up, the foods you've eaten, the places you've been and, and what smells you have in your own memory banks that'll, that'll encourage you to describe the flavours and aromas in a certain way. And the tasting notes that companies give you on their websites, they're there to give us an idea of what to expect. But of course, that's just what they've experienced. So I love that, that there's no right or wrong. Yeah. And even some of the, the aromas and flavors that you can detect can be very similar. To, like, for example, juniper has similar flavors and aroma than the peel of mango. Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, you can people can describe certain things with different yeah. words, but then the actual aroma could be something quite similar. Definitely. Yeah, that makes so much sense. For example, the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society has a long list of tasting notes when it comes to their bottlings. But it doesn't actually mean that one person can just get all of those. Yeah. And Because they have the tasting panel. So it's simply just combination of their experiences. You know, I don't know how many people they actually have on the tasting panel. But obviously, say there's five. So it's mm -hmm. five people's different flavors, aromas, what they're getting. It would be pretty much impossible for you, just one person, to find all the same aromas that they have on the totally you'd have like a super heightened spidey senses nose to get <laughs> yeah. to get all those uh, um, aromas and tastes although I, I think you've got a bit of a spidey senses nose and taste buds <laughs> like although my some of my tasting notes are getting a bit more expressive and sometimes poetic I'm just going to put that out there yeah. other, other times it's like one or two words like yeah. woody dry <laughs> <laughs> sour yeah, just like basic. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's all like how long you're sniffing the same dram and how much time you give it. To. Sometimes you yeah. just want to, you know, just enjoy it without thinking about it too much. That's very true. And sometimes if it's if I really like the smell, I'll also savour it for longer and give myself longer to pick different things up. But to help with the difficult process of separating out different aromas, in 1979, the Scotch Whiskey Research Institute developed the first Scotch Whiskey Flavour Wheel, which has now become an industry standard for sensory evaluation of Scotch Whiskey. And it's split into three layers. The central wheel, where you can find the broadest aroma categories that you've taught us about before, Inca, such as floral, green, 
grassy cereal PT and so on. And it's essentially an aid to help you ask questions about the aromas you're experiencing. Next, we've got the middle wheel. The second layer offers more detail or subcategories stemming from the core aromas. PT, for example, can be further broken down to burnt, smoky or medicinal. And the outer wheel goes even into even more detail to help us like concentrate our minds. From here, the peat and therefore the smoky can be broken down to burning wood, kipper like and barbecue, for example. Yeah, I quite like it for when you're, well, even just, you don't have to be a whiskey newbie. Just, I think it's good for everyone sometimes just to have a look at a wheel like that. Just to, you know, sometimes you just can't put your finger on what, what you're actually experiencing. You feel like you know what it is, but you just can't spit it out. Yeah, totally. And you need that bit of kind of, motivation's not the right word, inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Do you have any whiskey fumes that have made you think about something in the past or anything you can think of I think for me sometimes when I'm having a whiskey I will get little flashes of memory from previous times I've shared a whiskey if I smell one that reminds me of one that I drank when I was younger I drank a kind of like cheaper blend when I was a teenager when I tried it for the first times and it made me like just sometimes a flash of memory I made this trip to to Belfast and being on the ferry and I'd had a whiskey so just sometimes like weird wee snapshots yeah flashes do you ever get that well no because obviously I didn't start drinking whiskey till only just you know I don't know how many years ago now maybe four Mm -hmm. or five Mm -hmm. six years ago my memories are more you know sometimes you get some sort of scent from the whiskey that you think okay this reminds me of I don't know my mom's bag or something like it's literally just like an item or the you know Mm -hmm. the smell Mm -hmm. of the sort like the streets when it's been raining in my hometown or something like that you know yeah um not really like a specific whiskey memory for you Anka what um, nosing your whiskey and things and, and getting these aromas what kind of memories has does it evoke for you um like I said yeah, the, definitely the you know the streets when it's been really hot day and then it, it's it rains and the kind of smell of the asphalt afterwards mm-hmm. yeah I don't know they had to explain some of the smokier whiskies have that kind of aromas and that yeah. always gives me kind of finished summer vibes because we can get really heavy rain and then also smelling the freshly cut grass kind of stuff or like my cat used to sleep in the laundry basket like with <laughs> all the the clean laundry so <laughs> then the cat would start smelling like kind of clean but like cats at the same time still cat it's really weird <laughs> so I sometimes get things like that that is kind of almost like a mixture of the soapy yeah soapy smell but then also that kind of weird animal <laughs> and that's, thing, you know that's that's one of the things I love about people's whiskey descriptions because our memories are unique to us like not everybody's kind of smelled a soapy cat but you have <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> I know it's a bit weird how about you 
for me, I think I'm quite a nostalgic person. So sometimes like I'll just be sort of like having like a little sip and a bit of a daydream. And because I now as an adult enjoy cigars occasionally, and you know how sometimes you can get ashy cigar notes within mm-hmm. whiskey, even if you're not smoking yourself. Yeah. It kind of makes me think back to as a child, like I had, I had an uncle when I was young who would come up to Mull and he was very, he was like quite slick and glamorous. He lived in London and he had a sports car and not many people in my family drank, but he drank and he he would smoke cigars and he also had, he would wear like a really strong musky aftershave and I just thought he was <laughs> fabulous and quite James Bond-like. So I can, it will give me kind of flashes back to those early memories of this very potent cigar smell and like musty musty man (laughs) (laughs) so I'll get like kind of like you know these things will pop into my head and I quite like that these nostalgic wee trips down memory lane how about actual whiskey memories because obviously mine are quite new recent Mm -hmm. so when I for example been invited to go to see the Glenlivet new visitor center part of the tour or the trip was pairing their whiskies with different foods and it was a really nice sunny day things like that I really like where you can share the whiskey and that you know you can talk about the whiskey on the table while you're eating and things like that do you have anything that comes to mind. I think that's a lovely example like, of building the memory with your whiskey, isn't it? And how it influences things. Yeah, absolutely. And we've spoke before about when I tried Glendronach Parliament fairly recently, but just had a lovely time in the pub and I just had a massage and things. So I think that was really instrumental in me just creating this like fabulous experience that's embedded in my consciousness that that I don't know, who knows, but like I think it makes me enjoy Glendronach Parliament more because of that memory. Exactly. I was just going to say that I think now you have that kind of special connection with that <laughs> specific whiskey that will, you will always have, yeah. um, which is really nice. So you think if you're maybe like celebrating or toasting, you know, like a, a really nice event or like a happy occasion in your life, then I imagine that really links up in our in our psyche doesn't it that celebration and the taste and smell yeah, of the drama. definitely. And also it just helps you discover some whiskies in a different light. For example, Glenlivet is not necessarily always my first choice, although I do enjoy it, especially in summer. But because of that event and how they paired them and I don't know, just the whole couple of days was totally amazing. Yay. So now I feel like my relationship to Glenlivet has changed and now I actually want to try more from them and I can Yay. I kind of have better ideas how to serve their whiskies and when or you know what I mean. Absolutely. And it makes a lot of sense, you know, with regard to whiskey, people marketing their products, that it's like this kind of full bodied experience that they want people to connect into and and build potentially that emotional relationship with their whiskey. Yeah, that's really nice. Love stories right there, Inca. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, everyone, listeners, share your whiskey memories, whether it's a specific weird soapy cat smell or (laughs) (laughs) or just you know having a dram with your brother while you're roasting marshmallows or something just let us know your stories give us your secrets the smell of whiskey and the breath of somebody sexy sexy (laughs) whiskey breath oh that's funny (laughs) 
Let's bring our expert guest to chat a bit more about the range of aromas and how memories can be linked to them. Holly Hutchinson. Our next guest today is a dear friend of mine who has a nose for numerous aromas and she has her own fragrance range which is called Memoirs uh, which comes from Friends for Memory. So welcome Holly and please feel free to correct me if I mispronounce the name. You're correct it's pronounced Memoirs, um, Memoirs Memoirs London and it is derived from the French word for memory so obviously what we're here to talk about today is all about the connection between scents, notes and fragrances and memory. So yeah, that is pretty it's much very fitting. About. So before we start talking about the scents, I just wanted to check how did you end up for this name for your perfume range? So, well, it was it was namely that really, you know, the, the connection between scent and memory being such a powerful kind of trigger for, you know, when from childhood memories, to creating future memories like you may remember on my wedding day I wore Luxuria which was a scent that I had created for the wedding day. I also have Isla Rose which is obviously named after my daughter. So um, Mm. the connection between scent and memory is so powerful in so many elements of our lives and we've just kind of embodied that in in a brand. Yeah that's beautiful. Yeah, so lovely. And Holly, when it comes to whiskey, you know, we've thought before about how it can be hard to identify certain aromas. So for example, when you have two whiskies that smell floral, it can be hard to know what kind of flowers they smell like. I'd be keen to know, do you believe you can train your nose to detect more specific scents? Like how did you become so good at it? Well, I don't know how good I am at it. Um, (laughs) Hopefully I'm not too bad, but um, yes, definitely you can train your brain and your you can train your nose um it's one of the skills that perfumers have to learn and you know some perfumers can off the top of their head or the tip of their nose they can tell you hundreds if not thousands of different species of rose where it's come from which climate it was created oh in or blossomed in you know from from everything not only floral but you've got lots of woods you've got Mm -hmm. foods there's ambers and also many variations within each section so you'll have a turkish rose you'll have a moroccan rose and they all kind of emit a different powerful scent so yes the answer is in a simple form you can Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. how do you do that do you just Uh, is it because through smelling just different scents yeah, so um, repeated smelling um, of of them and and determining, I guess, a little bit like a sommelier would kind of determine the notes in a, a glass of wine. It's very similar. So there's hope for me <laughs> yet. Yeah, one day yeah. I might be like, oh, on the nose, I'm getting some Moroccan rose. Yes, just given that <laughs> level of detail. No, but that's, it's quite comforting for whiskey newbies that, you know, you don't have to know all the answers and all the aromas straight away. Yeah. yeah, or naturally be good at it. Like you've got some superpower in your nasal cavity. Like <laughs> <laughs> There are, there are people out there that are just more um more sensitive um Mm. their senses are more alert I mean I'm I'm quite sensitive to it and Mm -hmm. I've got over a hundred fragrances that I work on and if you pulled any of them out I could tell you which one it is and that's quite that's quite a lot for what I would have deemed myself in the beginning as very much a novice yeah but yeah you can you can certainly train and also 
you know, sometimes when we're creating fragrances, we've just created a new one, which has got the smell of like fern and bracken. Ooh. And it just takes me back to like climbing in the trees in the garden with my brother when we were like five or six years old. So immediately when we're creating these fragrances, mm -hmm. we, we are triggering our own memories and creating new memories for, for our customers. I love yeah. the smell of fern and bracken. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I don't think I don't know if I actually gave it to you. It's one called Ego, which is all about your identity. But if you haven't, I'm sure we'll be able to sort something out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. It's a good friend to have. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so obviously, like we just discussed, the whiskey is a powerful memory trigger as well, through different aromas and flavors. And also just it takes you back to a specific time and place where you might have enjoyed the strand before, or there's loads of different ways that it triggers memories. So it's not all just adjectives, but it actually taps into how you feel when you're sipping the whiskey at that time, at that moment. Like, you know, how is it speaking to you? What does it remind you of? So I wonder if you're able to explain this a little bit more through the fragrance perspective. There's a, another sense that is between the... Um the nose and the mouth which is called the Jakobsen and it basically is the it's how scent and the smell kind of is triggered in an olfactory memory that is yeah. as far as I understand it am I right <laughs> thinking that olfactory memory is basically something that especially evokes memories from your childhood that is linked to the when you first smell something when you first time smell something like that it then triggers your brain and kind of saves it and then next time you tr try it so say yeah. like if i've smelled roses lots of roses when i was a kid and then i get a rose scent in the whiskey or something and it makes me think of all those memories in the totally. past totally so the connection between scent and memory is really really powerful which is why it kind of like imprints in your mind you you know in as much as you would have a photographic memory of something it's a photographic memory through scent so you know it might be that you're sm you smell lavender and it reminds you of a grandmother as I said before it might be playing in the field or playing in the rose bushes and and just having that memory triggered it could also be an ex-boyfriend that smelt in a certain way <laughs> or you know drifting through the Moroccan souks they they often have lots of heavy heavily scented elements mm -hmm. and you know that there has been a description of one of our fragrances that feels like you're traveling through a Moroccan souk yeah it's it's really important it's it's pretty much the entirety of our brand is based around that, that connection between olfactory memory and and the the feelings that it triggers sometimes positive positive yeah. sometimes negative yeah sometimes it makes you sad other times it makes you really happy it's comforting so it, it really is a really yeah. part, important part and it's funny how some smells can be positive for other people and then negative memories for others. Absolutely. I, I did read something about olfactory memory. It's, apparently it's quite highly resistant to forgetting. So even if you don't think that you remember all these things, but as soon as you smell something, it can bring back memories that you didn't even realize that you remembered. 
Absolutely. Just, it's very fascinating, I think. Totally. And earlier in this episode, we were talking a bit about the official whiskey flavour wheel and how that consists of three layers. And I believe it's similar in perfumes. Would you be able to explain a bit more on what the purpose of the top, middle and base notes are? Yeah. So each fragrance is formulated in the pyramid. Uh, you've got the top notes which can often be quite lighter notes so you might have rose you might have vanilla you might have uh lemon or a floral maybe orange flower and then diverts into the heart or also known as middle notes and in the middle notes you tend to have something which has got a little bit more about it that kind of stays on the skin so as we're going through the top to middle to base notes it's just the the way that the fragrance dissipates from your skin mm. and it can be impacted in terms of the heat mm -hmm. the type of your type of skin that you have whether you sweat uh whether you you have dry basically is its own journey from the top the middle the base notes and a lot of fragrances will last 8 10 12 hours if you're buying something of good quality and you are you tend to experience the top notes in you know when you first spray them then you'll notice it we call it a dry down so you notice the change of the fragrance so it kind of changes and dissipate and then you go into your middle notes and then you also go into your base notes, which will stay on the skin for the longest period of time. Ah. That's, again, like like thinking of sniffing whiskey, you know, when we first try it, you know, you, it takes a little while to detect anything. And then we always, we don't like to add water, but also obviously water changes as well, but also mm -hmm. just air. The longer you leave the whiskey in the glass, the more aromas you start getting and loads of different mm -hmm. layers of different notes. Yeah, And then even at the end, when the glass is empty, you can still smell <laughs> something that's left there. Definitely. You'll also, um, if you buy a fragrance and you keep it for years and years and years, you will see the colour of it change and you will see, and it, and it will very much like a whiskey or a fine wine or even just a regular wine, it will kind of change. And we, we have this period of time where we kind of mix the fragrance oil with alcohol and we ma it's called maceration. And that is the period of time where it kind of marries together. And then, as I say, things can change over months, years, you know, we work really hard to try and make sure that it doesn't change that much, but it, it kind of has an evol evolving journey. So mm. you actually have some Scottish heritage. Has this made you like connect more with Scotch whiskey? Do you have Scotch whiskey memories? Is there certain whiskies that you like or any kind of any stories, memories that whiskey, so certain whiskey might have brought to you or just some sort of event? Yeah, so it's dreadful of me, but I've only been to Scotland once. <laughs> um, we have a we have a tartan so I, I officially do have scottish roots and scottish heritage uh, and my grandparents lived in scotland for most of their lives they actually but sadly passed away a few years ago and we all had a very merry time uh, celebrating their lives and we scattered their ashes in the fishing village of garleston so yeah me my mum and dad and my brother we all went up to Scotland and and kind of we gave them a very merry goodbye so that's one very good memory in a convoluted way <laughs> a celebration of life and I guess I've had a 
couple of trips where we went to New York and I don't know if it helps jet lag, probably not, but a few whiskey sours with some local <laughs> New Yorkers doesn't, I mean, that, that's a great memory too. <laughs> Gotta love a whiskey sour. Yeah, just to help adapt to the time difference, bit of jet lag. Warm yeah. you up to the holiday. That's a stylish exactly. way to do it. Holly, thank you so much for the beautiful memoirs perfume samples that you gifted us. My personal favourite is Rose Luxuria. That's right. So beautiful. Do you know what it made me think of? So growing up in Scotland with our kind of cold and often damp climate, when I was a teenager and first began to make trips to Europe, you know how the air smells different in a warm country? Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe where there's beautiful like flowers and gardens and the kind of heat or going in from afternoon to evening. And just I have memories of just like feeling so happy, feeling I'm somewhere really glamorous. It's warm. You know, people look stylish and the air just smelling of beautiful kind of floral scents. And that's what it made me think of. Oh, my God. I can't believe that because that is exactly what I was going to say. No way. So I... (laughs) Obviously, like my favorite always being the suburbia, but the rose luxuria made me think exactly that when you've been living in Finland, it's cold and the summer smells are different. And then you go two weeks on holiday somewhere like Crease, like that exactly when it changes from the day to evening, but you can still smell the sunscreen on the skin and the flowers and stuff. Oh my God. It's just also the Isla Rose, which is obviously quite heavy on the roses and that made me think of one of the houses that I used to live with my mum and we had loads of rose bushes oh. and I would take rose petals and like try to make little perfumes and soak them <laughs> and stuff and just like use it and that that was really nice as well I love that it's so special the way it all kind of weaves together isn't it with memory it's really beautiful it's made me think about it more deeply and I think oh am I going to start pairing my whiskies and perfumes now (laughs) (laughs) because I tend to always wear the same perfume but maybe I'll be more open-minded now sounds good Well, thank you so much for joining us, Holly. And everyone, check out Holly's Memoirs London. It's on social media and check their website. Beautiful sense. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Holly. Dram on fire. Today, we are tasting three McTala whiskies, Terra, Mara, and strata. So Mactala means echo in Scottish Gaelic and is owned by Morrison Scotch Whiskey Distillers, which is solely owned and operated by one of Scotland's oldest and most prominent whiskey families, Jamie and Brian Morrison. And that family actually used to own Bowmore Distillery, but they sold it around 25 years ago. So total whiskey legacy for them, hey? They obviously have a lot of experience and a lot of history. Uh, it was even before Bomber, they had, like in Isla in general, they've been quite big, like people know of this family and they've always mm-hmm. been involved in the whiskey industry. So I, I do think it's quite cool that they came back. I think their branding, their marketing campaigns are quite cool. I've certainly, it's been catching my eye over the past few months. Yeah, same. Yeah, I was very pleased when they got in touch and offered us these samples because I've been wanting to try them for so long, but they're not available in Italy. Not at the moment, at least I haven't seen. So this is very exciting for me. Indeed. Thank you so much. So let's start with the Terra. 
Terra. So that means Earth, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's basically, I think what they're trying to channel is the whole, you know, the land soaked in seas, breeze and that kind of. And it's matured in American oak and bottled at 46% ABV. Okay, I found this um, this one. Well, okay, I'll start with the colour. So super pale, straw-like colour for me. Yeah, pale straw, clear, yeah, same. I found this quite interesting on the nose. Coffee ice cream. Oh, yeah, good call. And like a Madeira cake, so like a light sweetness of sponge, kind of that kind of vanilla sponge. Mm-hmm. And this a very faint smoke on the nose for me with this whiskey. Yeah, yeah, very, very gentle smoke. I wrote down salty toffee, sea breeze, and vanilla vanilla wafers. Oh, nice. really kind of light things. Yeah, yeah, nice. How did you find it in the palate? Okay, it was very salty. Made me think of that kind of, you know, the smell of wet beach, like sand, mm-hmm, the wet mm-hmm. sea kind of thing. Then I got a little bit orange and lemon peel. Mm-hmm. I found it very light, not super smoky. Yeah. And also a little bit woody. Okay, that's super interesting. Well, just as I was saying, sometimes like I feel I'm getting more descriptive with my tasting notes. This one, I was like, (laughs) (laughs) if you could see me, like my face would look like like dazed. (laughs) I found it really hard to articulate what I was tasting. Mm -hmm. And I've written down parma violets do you know those sweeties they're bright purple sweeties you get in the uk yeah they're like little kind of chalky sweeties and they're really kind of strong taste of violet ah they're quite unusual and like i don't even know if you get them anywhere else other than the uk but a really strong taste of violet which i just thought was a bit random and odd and i was like sitting thinking right there must be more and i kept sitting (laughs) and i just keep kept getting that oh that's nice makes it a little bit floral yeah Yeah. why not but on the on the finish i I thought of kind of like charred barbecue peaches so kind of barbecued fruits and a kind of woodiness on the finish so it did change yeah yeah it was definitely woody it wasn't that Smoky, even the finish, and I found the finish quite short. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's obviously, obviously, this is non-age statement whiskey, but I think it's it's probably quite young. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's my guess. So overall, would you have another? Oh, like I like I thought it was it was pleasant, but I wouldn't be like racing to have another. It wasn't my favorite out of the three. The two, no, same. Okay, I think next one. Let's uh, talk about Mara. Mara, I love your pronunciation, so good. <laughs> so this one was bottled at cask strength at 58.2%. We like that. Yeah. Oh, and it couldn't, like, I I think because of the ABV, I got definitely much more out of it. Yeah, snap. Like, I didn't add any water, you know, I did my usual, I'll give it air and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And enjoyable. So the... Color was a bit darker than the previous, so I'd say mm-hmm. light golden, light honey, maybe. For sure, I've got a pale, sunny golden color. Yep. Yeah. Aromas, I, I think it was quite smoky, but like sweet, mm-hmm. smoky, and maybe mm-hmm. some marzipan. Ah, nice. I got a rush of sweet smokiness, like, you know, real s- sweet smoke. So that's interesting. You're seeing that as well. I got a kind of not unpleasant this isn't meant to sound unpleasant but like a soapy you know like a citrus lemon soapy 
Oh, tea. Yeah, there was definitely some citrus or something I was trying to figure out. I couldn't put my finger on it, what it, what yeah. it was. Maybe it was something like that, but it was definitely quite citrusy, yeah. Yep, and I've, I've written down honeycomb as well on the nose. Oh, yeah, sweetness. Mm. Yeah. The palate was pretty salty like saltier mm-hmm. than the previous one mm-hmm. and i was thinking of you know if you take a mouthful of roasted salted peanuts and just shove it all in your mouth and your <laughs> mouth is full of them and you're trying to <laughs> chew through it and it's really salty and dry and nutty at the same time and you're like ah, you know <laughs> <laughs> wishing you'd had less in your yeah. mouth <laughs> yeah that, that's what it made me think and i also wrote down green olives uh sl- the slightly oiliness as well Oh, um, yeah. And it, again, oaky woodiness, bit of citrus, and maybe even some tobacco leaves. Oh, I love those descriptions. For me on the on the palette, I've written like a fresh ginger, not like a spice ginger, but, you know, fresh ginger yeah. spice. Yes. Yeah, I wrote down spice kick, and I was uh-huh. trying to w- think what that was. It could be that kind of fresh ginger for sure. And barbecue beef. <laughs> yeah and quite a like i i've written a drying mouthfeel which ties in with your like mouthful of peanuts (laughs) i know i feel like i'm revealing too much of myself here what i do with my spare time (laughs) just want a little snack (laughs) for sure (laughs) let's not be shy yeah uh a bit longer finish than the previous uh, maybe Uh, medium side I agree, longer finish. Uh, I found it also just more smokier, which brings maybe into into the to- tobacco leaves and that kind of, and even the, the spiciness is probably from the peat. Yes, I enjoyed this one more, Inca. What about yourself? Mm. It sounds like you did. Yes, that was, I think it was my favourite out of the three, actually. So, Strata. Yes. So, Strata. Strata was for, do you remember what, what was it about? It was... Um... That's about the rock and the rock formation of yes. the island. I think taken from, is it stratum rock formation? Something like that. Ah, yeah, I was wondering that. Mm-hmm. And it's bottled at 46% ABV. And am I right in thinking it's bourbon and sherry cask? Yeah, so this one is bourbon and sherry and the previous two were American oak. Oak, yeah. Again, very light in colour, Inca, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Golden, again, golden honey. Maybe slightly darker than the previous. Might be the influence of the sherry cask. On the I was feeling more at home here because we've been we've been doing a lot of kind of Isla whiskies, haven't we? And peated expressions. And of course, this is an Isla whiskey, and you know, we're still thinking smoky, but um, with the sherry cask finish, it was kind of, I was also getting that kind of vanilla pod and I've uh, I've got cherry pie. <laughs> oh. So kind of like sweet cherries with the kind of baked pastry. And what does my writing say here? Oh, see, this is me when I'm thinking I'm poetic. I've written <laughs> echo of smoke. Oh, Magdala. Oh. <laughs> But like, I guess what I was trying to say, and it sounds like super pretentious now, I'm reading it back, but like kind of like a bit of essence of smoke, but not too overpowering. Mm-hmm. But you got much more out of this one. I was struggling with the aromas a little bit. The first thing that came to mind instantly was apricots. Oh, uh-huh. and I think that actually made me think of again really weird I don't really know how to describe this but yeah rocks when you walk on a rocky beach side 
mm-hmm. and the the waves are kind of washing against the the rocks and there's that kind of foam and it makes the smell of the saltiness but also yeah. the rock i don't know if you smell like a proper stone or something it has kind of weird yeah i don't know a Just, bit like that kind of mix of seaweed and ocean and rock, like yeah, rock faces almost, all covered with the spray of water. Yeah, and almost like um, rust, like almost rust a little bit. I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. But again, obviously there's a theme here, so there's lots of saltiness in mm-hmm. all of these drums, I think. And, and the palette? Palette, I think it was more of a baking spice than a fresh ginger, you know, but like spiced ginger, baking spices, a kind of charred smokiness, but also a little bit woody on the palate for me. And it was a bit less drying on the mouthfeel. Oh, funny you say that. I thought it was woody oaky again. Um, I found it a bit more powerful than the previous ones. And there's quite a lot that kind of barley or maltiness. Mm-hmm. Again, I found it very salty on the palate. But the finish was much more dry compared to the other two for me. I've got a lot of kind of medium to longish finish. And I had that kind of, you know, like coffee bean dryness and ashy on the finish. I think the Strata was my favorite of the three. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, oh, no, no. Strata. Oh, really? Oh, I Mara yeah. for me. Mara. Mara for you. Strata for me. I think I was like uh, the sherry finish. Really, I I, mm-hmm. I struggled with this one because I I couldn't really get those sherry notes or like yeah. anything I was expecting. It maybe it's on the mouthfeel is a little bit there's something and the apricots obviously. It's not got a sherry bomb feel. It's not super heavy sherry notes. I don't think. No, but like even no nuttiness. I didn't get any dried fruit or anything like that. It wasn't bad, but I, I would the mara the cask strength. Yeah. I love olives and salted nuts, obviously. So. <laughs> a clear winner for you. <laughs> yeah. oh, funny. And when McTalla gave us these samples, they also gave us a cheeky, cheeky little sample of popcorn syrup, didn't they? Yeah, it was morning uh, popcorn syrup to, and also a little bit extra measure of the terra. Terra. Mm-hmm. So we could make a highball because, you know, we do love a highball, don't we? We love a highball. Dun, dun, dun. What did you think about the highball? Do you know, I was super excited for the highball. I love a bit of popcorn. I love a bit of sweetness. I was excited. I had the ice in the glass. For me, I think a lot of people would really like this highball. For me, it was it was too confusing on my palate preference you know like the smokiness was too savory for the sweetness of the popcorn syrup that's just my opinion what about you yeah I I have to agree because I love popcorn but more saltier popcorn I guess and so obviously the syrup is syrup so it's very sweet it has that kind of saltiness to it as well but yeah I, I don't know I found it confusing as well on my palate my, I just couldn't get my head around it do you watch Friends this the sitcom Friends yeah yeah have you have you seen that yeah the episode that Jennifer Aniston makes the trifle and she makes it with men's beef <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah when I was having my um cocktail my highball I thought oh this is the this is the trifle out of friends for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whipped cream with mincemeat and <laughs> for sure. However, like I do, th- I love the idea of the popcorn syrup in a highball. I'm so for that, and I think it was just my preference of the mm-hmm. the combination of flavors in this instance that wasn't a winner. 
Yeah, because I, I took the first sip and I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. But then I just, yeah, it just became too sweet. I don't know. Something was just not doing it for me. But I love the idea for sure as well. And now I've got a little bit of the syrup left, so I'm going to try some other stuff as well. I'll see what I can do. When inspired. Whiskey sisters, whiskey fact. So time for our whiskey fact. Did you know that the Daft Mill is a lowland malt, even though it is located several miles further north than Highland Distillers, Deanston, Glengoyne, Loch Lomond and Tullibardine? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah, it was registered as Lowland Whiskey because of its location in the borough of Fife. Oh, I find that quite confusing, Inca. Yeah, I think sometimes the whole region thing doesn't quite make sense, you know, like what we were talking with Mariella about lag and Aaron and... Yeah. Yeah, it's all getting a little bit confusing. Part of me thinks they should just scrap it now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also this Speyside is so big, but they still have yeah. such a selection or just having highlands and islands as one. Like, how can you do that? I know. It is. I, I do find it quite confusing. So confusing whiskey fact there for you. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. Next week, we will be diving into the Viking history of Highland Park Distillery. Love it. Um, so pour yourself an Arcadian, Arcadian gram. Yeah. And join us next Wednesday. And meanwhile, you can keep up to date on all things Whiskey Sisters on our Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at Whiskey Sisters, and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. Ciao, Bella. Ciao, honey. <gasps> <gasps>